Vladimir Tarasenko signs with the Ottawa Senators. We have our bi-weekly women's hockey spotlight. And would an NHL Summer League be a good idea? We'll talk about all this and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Friday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone who makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. I'm Gil Martin. You can find me on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. My co-host every Friday is Rachel Donner. You can find her on Twitter at rmiriam. Rachel, happy Friday to you. Happy Friday. Man, news just keeps on coming. We try to have a summer and things just keep happening in the NHL. Yeah, it's a good problem to have uh, yeah. in, in some ways at least. And yeah, the big news of Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, probably the last big name forward out there on the free agent board. He comes off, heads to Ottawa, signs a one-year, $5 million contract with a full no-trade clause. Uh, So without his permission, he's not going anywhere at the trade deadline. Uh, But Tarasenko to Ottawa, you know, they're they're trying to replace those goals that Alex Dabrinkit was yeah. going to provide them. Do you think they did a good job by adding Tarasenko? I mean, certainly of the options available, that's the closest thing you're going to get, right? And it's he's not peak Vladimir Tarasenko anymore, but still can contribute a lot. I think that um, you know you know what you're getting with him. You're certainly not going to get a defensive effort from him, that's for sure. But uh, you certainly are going to get some goals from him. Um, and I think that it's at least a, a good test to see if this is a good fit. I think the one-year deal is a good decision for both sides uh, to see if, if this is a relationship and, and a good fit for them. Um, Ottawa is like right up against the cap right now, I think. And yep. so uh, I, I think that obviously they're waiting for the cap to go up in the following year to make adjustments. And you know, if he decides to stick around there, then there'll be a little bit more room to play with for, for term and, and for maybe a little bit more money if he earns it. Um, you know, obviously it didn't, like, I wouldn't say it was a bad situation. It just wasn't a perfect fit in New York with the Rangers. And so like there wasn't, I think a good chance of him returning to the Rangers this year. And Ottawa seems to be taking that next step forward. I think, you know, they solved the goaltending issue a little bit uh, getting Corpus Allo. So I think they're on the right track here. Yeah. I mean, Ottawa is a young up and coming team and hoping to take that step from young and up and coming to we're in the playoffs and let's see what we could do if we get there. Uh, Certainly doesn't help my New York Islanders. One of the teams that will probably be battling them for one of those playoff spots this year, hopefully. Uh, But You know, I I guess one question with Tarasenko 
in recent years has always got to be, will he stay healthy? Yeah, I think that's a, a big question as well. And, you know, with Ottawa, you know, there, there's a lot of risk uh, here at play, but I do think that they've put together some off-season moves that'll get them headed in that better direction. Um, it's just a matter of all the pieces will fit together. I think there's like a lot of new bodies that'll be there. Um, you know, obviously with Debrinket, you know, some of the moves that they had made in the last couple of years to try and take that step forward hasn't quite gotten them there. And so maybe this is the right combination of players, right? Yeah. And, and you know, you look at this lineup, you, you've got some pretty good top six forwards now in, in Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzla, Claude Giroux, Josh Norris. You, you've got, and then Tarasenko. I mean, that's a pretty solid five out of your top six forwards and your power play should be pretty darn good too. Yeah. That's one thing that you look at this team and say, wow, they should be scoring a lot of power play goals. I think between Tarasenko and Giroux, who's a power play specialist, I think that it's a, it's going to be a tough uh, penalty kill for anybody who has to go up against this group. Yeah. And you know, with all those players, you got to figure they could put together two really solid power play units and 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 do some damage with the extra attacker so going to be interesting to see how this deal plays out in ottawa and you know you can't blame uh vladimir tarasenko for betting on himself given the salary cap constraints and everything else that's going on right now it's it's the shiny thing to do this year <laughs> or it's the only thing to do this year uh, for a lot of players you know Last week, we talked a little bit about uh, potential free agents for next year, and yet one of the bigger names comes off the board, the Carolina Hurricanes signing Sebastian Ajo to an eight-year extension. And, uh, you know, to me, this is a no-brainer for Carolina just because he is clearly one of their best offensive players. Oh, of course. He's like the core of this team offensively. I think. And so you got to lock him up and you pay whatever it is uh, to get him to do it. And I think, you know, given that it's, it's an extension uh, starting next year when the cap will go up, uh, you can spend a little bit more money there. And so, you know, the 9.75 AAV, I mean, it, it's a big price tag, but I think it's worth it for him. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, if ever there's a player that you're building the, Carolina Hurricanes around it's Sebastian Ajo so I think that that is uh you know definitely a good move and and it does take one of the bigger names potentially who was going to be a free agent next summer and takes him off the board some interesting news out of Toronto also goaltender Matt Murray placed on LTIR and is out indefinitely the team making that announcement earlier this week uh I mean Already had Ilya Samsonov and, and, you know, Joseph Wall probably going to be there starting too. But what does this mean for Matt Murray and for the Leafs? Yeah, I think this is going to be a, a hurry up and wait situation and just see if he can recover from these concussion issues that seem to be persisting with him and, you know, give it a go the following year. You know, that's when he'll be a free agent, though. So I think it, it's, I feel so bad for Matt Murray in this situation, just real tough 
um, with a, a giant question mark ahead for him, uh, assuming he'll be out all year. Um, you know, obviously the Leafs signing Samsonov for one year at 3.55 million that like, you know, gives them a goaltending duo for this upcoming year, but not for the long term. And right. so there's still going to be some Leafs goaltending questions next off season. It just might be a different kind of question, right? I, I get the feeling there's always going to be Leafs <laughs> goaltending questions, but uh, yeah, that, that, that's definitely going to change the, the nature of some of those questions for sure. And we certainly wish him a, a complete and speedy recovery given you know, the, the tricky and difficult nature of concussions. And then, you know, some interesting news in the desert out of Arizona, former third overall draft pick Logan Cooley signing his entry-level deal with the Coyotes uh, and not coming back to the University of Minnesota. Yeah, I think it's an interesting move, especially at this point in the summer, because after the Frozen Four ended, you know, a few of the guys from Minnesota, you know, they lost very heartbreakingly in overtime in the final of the Frozen Four to Quinnipiac. And I think it, they felt like there was some unfinished business there. And so some of the guys, you know, some of them signed right away and, you know, went to NHL teams, but a few of them stayed behind or, or had decided they were going to give it another go, you know, trying to solve that unfinished business. But now Logan Cooley has changed his mind and is signed in the NHL. And so will some of those other kids who were taking maybe that extra year of eligibility due to COVID and sticking around or, or some of the other, you know, potential guys who could have signed ELCs that didn't, will they then change their minds and, and move to the NHL? And, and yeah, I mean, certainly it affects the Coyotes, but it, it'll have an even bigger effect on college hockey, given yeah. all of the impact, you know, you, you always sort of figure that the Golden Gophers are going to be in the conversation for for contending for a Frozen Four berth, and uh, you know, losing Cooley certainly not going to help them in that respect. It will not. No, no doubt about that. All right, we have got a lot more to discuss on today's show. Uh, we will be joined by Erica Ayala for our bar biweekly. Women's Hockey Spotlight. Always look forward to that. Uh, but first, Rachel, why don't you talk to us about AG1? Today's episode is brought to you by a product that I use every day, AG1. Maybe you're like me, where you want to be healthy and eat well, but it's always easier said than done. That's no longer the case with AG1. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health. With one delicious scoop of AG1 and a glass of water every day, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It can be hard and expensive to keep track of multiple supplements and vitamins, not to mention how hard it can be on your stomach. AG1 costs you less than $3 a day and you're investing in your health. Plus, it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. If a comprehensive solution is what you need for your supplement routine, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. 
Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL network. Check it out. All right, and time now for our Women's Hockey Spotlight with Erica Ayala. Hey there, hockey fans. Erica L. Ayala coming to you with another Women's Hockey Spotlight. Now, although I was hoping to give you details about the new Women's Hockey League that's coming, unfortunately, I cannot do that. But what I can give you are my thoughts uh, on... But what I can give you are my thoughts on this tell-all interview by the Boston Pride owner about the PWHPA animosity and much more. Great job by the Hockey News and Ian Kenny to get this one on the record. And I mean, I'll be honest, reading some of this is kind of what... It felt like to look at what was happening in women's hockey from a distance. What do I mean by that? Well, the PWHPA wanted better working conditions for its players. That was evidently clear. And it's always been something that I've supported. What wasn't always clear about the PWHPA is how what the PHF, again, the league that has just been acquired, it has not always been clear how what the PHF was doing didn't align with what the PWHPA wanted. And Miles breaks that down again in this article that you can check out by the Hockey News. Now, some other things that I think are really interesting in this article include that Miles, who has seen the collective bargaining agreement, um, or at least understands some of the details, we are to assume, uh, like I talked about on our last one, there has been a CBA floating around to the effect that it is the final CBA, I have not been able to verify that. So I just want to be clear there. But Miles Arnon, in this article, um, he goes on to say, quote, everything the PWHPA said they wanted to get, they didn't get. They compromised on their principles for very little in return. And some of the things that are little or are definitely less than they would have been had the PHF continued include salary. Now, Arnon gives some really interesting numbers when it comes to the salary and how the, the CBA, as compared to what the salary was at the time the PHF was acquired, is different. This is what Arnon says in the article. The principal feature of the CBA is that player salaries start at about 16% lower than where we were going to be this season in the PHF. And as far as what they're paid relative to the work done, it's about 37% less as they're being required to play more games for less money. On top of that, they're locked in to a 3% per year pay increase across the board in terms of their effective cap for the next eight years. And Arnon goes on to talk about 
things like inflation, things like the NHL getting involved, and that that effectively will trap players into making less money than they would have at the PHF, at least for another 10 years as the money starts to trickle down. Now, so the question becomes, why did the PHF sell? Well, according to our Arnon, there was a lot of pressure. And this is things that I had been hearing pressure from sponsors who didn't quite understand the women's hockey landscape. The PWHPA is saying there's no beef. The PHF is effectively not responding to the quote unquote perceived beef. And that left sponsors not wanting to get into the middle of what they felt was effectively messy. I have deduced that uh, people have said that throughout the years and Arnon going on the record saying that 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 there was a lot of pressure from the PHF to be the one to effectively bend and buckle now another really interesting thing in this article and there was a non-disclosure agreement so there are some details that we will just never know about the acquisition that's made evidently clear here. And it's also been made clear by me trying to report on this because we don't have a lot of details for a league that's supposed to drop the puck January, 2024. I digress on that. Let's go back to this reporting by Ian Kennedy. Miles talked about the C or excuse me, the non-disclosure agreement, the NDA being really important And he felt it was really important. I'm summarizing his words because the NDA meant that the Mark Walter group knew everything that the PWHPA was doing and everything that the PHF was doing. But the non-disclosure agreement, once it started, meant that the PWHPA and the PHF could not talk to each other. Now, on a, a previous episode of the women's hockey spotlight. I believe it was Rachel and I, when we did our deep dive, the reason I think that's so interesting is because from my reporting, I understand that the PHF was moving towards unionization. Obviously the PWHPA moving toward unionization, but never the twain shall meet. (laughs) Never did those two sides get a chance to talk to each other because well, they weren't they weren't necessarily on good footing and their higher ups had a non-disclosure agreement so miles really breaks down how he thinks this deal is good for the owners of the new league and is going to be bad at least in the immediate and intermediate for active players except of course for the players on national teams, which is a very small blip or at least not a a significant enough blip for only national team players to be in this league. And so what we're seeing is European talent in particular and some NCAA players, uh, I should say, who were transitioning into the pro leagues, we're starting to see them go to Europe. Now, there's only a small window and only a finite amount of roster spots where you can effectively go to Europe. So there are some players that are just going to be waiting. They're going to be waiting for the announcement of the six cities which again, have not been announced. There's no logo. There's no website. There's no updates on the draft. There's just a lot hanging in the balance. And who can afford to wait? Players that don't have full-time jobs. But another thing 
is that the PHF was a league that was starting to move away from players having to have multiple jobs. Some want those careers off of the ice and they've established those careers off of the ice but others especially the younger ones they were starting to step into a women's hockey landscape where they could only play women's hockey according to Arnon and honestly the numbers that I personally have seen which we haven't gotten confirmed yet or at least I have not gotten confirmed that's not a livable wage a minimum salary of $35,000 USD. That's not a livable wage. They're tapping out at roughly 80K, but only for a select group of people. So once again, whether it's the Arnon interview or just what we haven't heard yet from the new league, we are left wanting. It is hard as of right now, July 28th, to say with confidence that women's hockey is in a better place than it was a month ago when the PHF was still independent and running. It's hard to say, is it going to end up that way? It's also hard for me to, to say confidently that I, I agree. We do know that the new league is looking for six new general managers. As another article in the hockey news says they have almost 12 general managers that they could effectively take from the assets that they bought from the PWHPA and the PHF, but they're putting out an announcement uh, or putting out job descriptions. I should say those job descriptions don't include salary. They don't include the team name and they don't include the city because none of those things are details that we have right now. So it's a little bit of a messy women's hockey spotlight, but women's hockey Unfortunately, I have to say this is at minimum confusing, if not a little bit messy right now. So we are coming close to the 30 days in which we said we would get updates. It's not looking like we're going to get updates before the end of July. So can a league get the puck dropped January 2024 when as of July 28th, 2023, they don't have team names They don't have team locations. They haven't announced uh, rinks and venues. They haven't announced players. And they don't even know what their player pool is going to look like. Seems like an uphill climb. And it does seem like, at minimum, what we know is that while a few months ago we were expecting the PHF to drop the puck in November, that's not happening for women's hockey this year season. So you're going to have to stick with us as we learn more. We were told about 30, minimum 30, but maximum 60. So I guess technically we're in, I guess technically we're in that range, but we just have to wait for more women's hockey information. I wish I could tell you more. I certainly want to know more, but make sure you follow us here at Locked on NHL. And if you want more recent updates, follow me at elindsay08. You can, of course, head over to Locked on Kraken or some of my other work, particularly in women's hockey, is at the Founding Four podcast, a part of Black Rosie Media. But that's your women's hockey spotlight for the time. Unfortunately, we still have lots of dark corners, so to speak of women's hockey that we have to get illuminated before the puck is set to drop in January. But I'm going to send you back to Rachel and Gil for the rest of the Locked on NHL Friday edition. And thanks again to Erica Ayala for our biweekly women's hockey spotlight. Always great to 
Here are a little news from around the world of women's hockey. And this is a very, very important time in that sport as everything seems to be changing right now. So, Rachel, we wanted to talk a little bit about the prospect of an NHL summer league. I think there's some merit to it, but there's also some reservations. Uh, Look, it works for the NBA. There's no question about that. And do do you think it could work for the National Hockey League? I think it could in a very specific way. And there are some summer hockey activities going on. There's the beauty league in Minnesota um, that puts together, you know, a a league that actually goes over several weeks and they have games multiple days a week. The rules are wacky. It's four on four. They play in two halves with runtime. I love a lot of what they do and they have like a double goal period instead of like a power play. It's like goals count double for that. Um, if it if a team requests it, it's it's all sorts of fun. Uh, but I do think that if you look at what the NBA does, you know they have three different sort of weekend tournaments uh, that take place in three different cities. They've had one in Sacramento, uh, Salt Lake City, and and Vegas, right? So um, it's in some places. Uh, well, in Vegas, like they don't have an NBA team, right? So it's it's a yeah. fun thing for the fans there. Well, yeah, that that is a good point. But I think, you know, having these mini tournaments might be a better approach than maybe what the Beauty League does because that's more regular games. But, um, you know, if you have it in a non-NHL market like Vegas, well, like Vegas used to be, but, um, right. you know, pick out, you know, have it in Houston or something like that. But I do think that there's some opportunity there. And the kinds of players that play in summer league in the NBA is exactly who you'd put in the NHL version of it, right? You'd have like rookies having a chance to get some extra ice time, free agents who don't have a home yet that are kind of maybe NHL or AHL like borderline players, right? It's another showcase for them. Uh, I do think you would have to have it be non-contact because I don't think any team would want their players getting hurt in this, right? So it'd be a different style of hockey because there would be no hitting. Uh, And I think that, you know, there'd be a lot of goals, which is always fun. Depending on the goaltenders you have uh, in the tournament, if you get, you know, some college goaltenders or like USHL level goaltenders, I think you could have a lot of fun, um, having it be a shooting gallery right so and that's what fans want to see so i I do think it's doable it's just not going to be like nhl hockey per se in the same way that i think with nba summer league the style of play is going to be similar to the nba product even if the the quality isn't as good because it's not like the superstars right 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 Yeah, I mean, that definitely could work. The injury risk is obviously one thing. But, you know, to me, you sort of look at what the other major sports are doing in North America. The NFL now has something going on every month of the year, whether it's the scouting combine, the draft, free agency, uh, mini camp. You can't go a month in the offseason without – some kind of event going on that keeps the NFL in the public consciousness, uh, at least if you're a fan of, of the NFL. 
Major League Baseball has had, you know, the world the world tournaments that they've put on. You've got your uh, summer league or your your excuse me your winter league, your Arizona fall league, things that that definitely keep baseball in the news. And then, as you mentioned, the NBA uh, having their summer league. So it works for a lot of other leagues. I, I guess one question I would have is, how does this affect the players physically to have to play a full, you know, 70-game junior season plus playoffs for, for some of them and then have to go compete you know, again, over the summer, how does that affect their body over the long haul? It's funny when you started that sentence, I thought you were going to say, how does this affect the Leafs? But I think <laughs> that, everything um, affects the Leafs. We know I that. know, <laughs> I know. Right. No. And that's why I think you have more of a weekend tournament style thing like the NBA does, right. Where it's like three days um, where, you know, if you have like 60 players or or so that are involved uh, 40 to 60 players involved and get it you know so that it's like mini tournaments maybe they play three on three they play four on four um so it's rapid fire so the games are a lot shorter it's not full length nhl games like you would have you know you have mini tournaments uh like that um you could even do cross ice and mix it up a little bit if you wanted to but I think that if you keep it to a limited amount of time where guys are only playing like three or four days max over the course of a weekend, I don't think that's going to make a big difference. And I think it just, it keeps the juices flowing it keeps them in shape, um, gets them ice time, gets them out there, like the coordination going, their timing going. I think it's, it's a great thing to do in, you know, late July, early August as guys are trying to like get ramped back up for their, their rookie camps or training camps. And, and to take it a step further, you know, you could have unemployed coaches coach some of these teams or coaches who are assistants who want to audition to be head coaches. Or if you want to go the other route, you could have celebrity former coaches coach some of those teams, you know, hall of famers who, uh, it would be an honor for some of these young players to say, yeah, I, I played under this coach at this tournament and, and that might get some more eyes on it too, as well. So there are different approaches you can take uh, to something like that and, and just try to drum up some more interest and, and learn some more by doing it that way. Yeah. I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of details that would have to be worked out, obviously, um, you know, there would have to be an adjustment to the CBA uh, in terms of, you know, are only signed players allowed to participate versus if you're unsigned, how does that affect your status, you know, within the confines of a, the players association and all of that. So I'm not saying it would be an easy thing to accomplish, but I think if you put it on the table for the next agreement and have the time to work out those details, because Obviously, in the NBA, it's you play for your team, right? Because you have right. all these new draftees, and then you have people that play in the developmental league that kind of move up and play some of these games to try and like earn roster spots on their teams. I'm not sure if it would work that well in the NHL uh, if, if there's that way to uh, approach it, or you mix and match and have guys play on on made up teams. 
so I think, you know, there's a lot of things to think about there in terms of how you would structure it. But I do think it's doable. I don't think it's an issue in terms of wear and tear. Injury is always possible, but I do think it would be fun. And like you said, you got to keep the NHL in people's consciousness in in these times. Yeah, I think, you know, look, you would need to have insurance policies for some of these players for sure. Right. Uh, there, there are definitely details to be worked out, but I agree with you. I think it's something that could work and, you know, you could even hold it in, you know, smaller cities in Canada who would probably be thrilled to see, you know, players of that mm. caliber come in and play a few games there. Uh, you, you could have some of the matches or some of the games at expansion cities or cities that want to be expansion cities there's a lot of different ways to yeah. drum up interest and to approach it. Uh, it makes so much sense. We know the NHL probably won't do it. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, but it is, I, I, I agree with you. It is something worth considering. And, and I think it's, you know, something that the NHL should look into. Will they? That remains to be seen. I want to thank everyone again for making Locked on NHL your first listen every day. Every dayers, I will be back on Monday talking to three of our local hosts from around the league about some of the biggest stories around the NHL. So please uh, join me for that. I uh, want to thank Erica Ayala again for our bi-weekly women's hockey spotlight. Rachel, always a pleasure to co-host this show with you. Have a great weekend, everybody. And thanks again for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast. <laughs>